a building conflict over bandwidth at 12 gigahertz. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is James Dunstan, General Counsel at Tech Freedom and founder of Mobius Legal Group. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Tony. Glad to be back. Tell us what Tech Freedom does, please. So Tech Freedom is a think tank in Washington, D.C., and we focus uh, particularly on issues, as the name says, related around technology. And we're very much a sort of a free market um, approach to, we believe that, that government regulation should be kept to a minimum so that entrepreneurs can flourish, and especially on the internet side, that the internet can continue to function um, sort of free of, of over-dominance from the government. There's a conflict brewing between satellite constellation operators and radio astronomers over a particular place in the radio frequency spectrum. What's the background on that? So the background of it, and, and, and this really sort of lends itself to a children's bedtime story that I like to call the shiny spectrum and the 5G beast. Um, and it really uh, re result, revolves around uh, a spectrum allocation. That's something that the FCC does and NTIA does it for government spectrum, the Federal Communications uh, does it for uh, commercial spectrum. And there's a, a slot in that spectrum at, at 12 gigahertz band, which has traditionally been uh, a satellite spectrum. But a number of years ago, uh, the FCC said, well, we think we can allow some terrestrial uses of that spectrum. And so they allowed some, some entities to, to use that. And then about four years ago, those same entities came in and said, uh, came knocking on the door at the FCC and said, you know what, FCC, we really like this spectrum. It's, it's really nice. Um, in fact, we would like to use it more than you're allowing it us to right now, because originally what the FCC said was, you got to protect all the space users. Um, and, and so they came back in 2016 and said, we'd like to use more. And you know what, the space guys really aren't using the spectrum all that much. So please, FCC issue what's known as a notice of proposed rulemaking and look to allocate that spectrum um, to allow us to use it you know, completely on a terrestrial basis. And that petition for rulemaking sat for three years. Um, and then all of a sudden, about seven or eight months ago, somebody got the bright idea that, ooh, you know, that spectrum actually could be used for, you know, drum roll please, you know, dun, 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 that could be used for 5G. And if we use that for 5G, then we could roll out, you know, uh, broadband to rural areas of the country much quicker. And so suddenly, you know, 5G comes into play. And if you've been following technology at all, you know that 5G is the dot-com of this century. You know, back in the 90s, any company that put a dot-com behind its name could go raise millions of dollars, even if it didn't have a business plan. Well, today, if you say, I can do 5G, well, that gets everybody's heart a flutter and automatically gives you the white hat in this debate. And so when the folks came back in and said, hey, FCC, we can use this spectrum for 5G, you know, suddenly everybody's like, ooh, okay, well, this is good. Well, there's a problem. You know, four years ago, when they originally filed this petition, they were right. There wasn't that much use of that spectrum. It's used uh, partially for DBS, direct broadcast satellite. But in the interim, since 2016, several of the, what are known as NGSO, uh, non-geostationary orbit constellations, OneWeb, Starlink, you know, all the things that you've been hearing about lately, 
those guys have started to come online um, and they're using that 12 gigahertz spectrum. The problem is if you go back to the engineering studies that were submitted back in 2016, the terrestrial uses for 5G can't coexist with satellite delivered broadband. It's a non-starter, can't happen. And basically, you know, all the 5G guys can say now is it's 5G, you know, and, and 5G is good. So we, we should get the win. And so there's this, you know, there, there's this brouhaha. And, and what happens in these FCC proceedings, as I said, they can sit dormant for years. And then all of a sudden you could go look at the docket, which are you know, publicly available at the FCC. Um, suddenly you see all this flurry of new filings and suddenly, uh-oh. And so we were tipped off at Tech Freedom um, a, a couple of weeks ago that that the, the FCC, you know, the commissioners, otherwise known as the eighth floor, because they're on the eighth floor of the, uh, of the FCC building, which actually isn't the eighth floor, it's the 11th floor, but that's a whole different story. Um, we're getting a lot of pressure to go ahead and issue uh, a notice of proposed rulemaking to go ahead and take a look at it. But the problem is it's an absolute non-starter. It would destroy Starlink, it would destroy OneWeb. Um, and, and by the way, this is nothing new. Um, the FCC has been sort of stealing the space spectrum for 30 years now because you know, the, the space has not been as widely utilized. You know, when the FCC originally allocated spectrum decades and decades ago, they set aside a certain amount of spectrum for future space uses. Well, you know, those uses are now coming into being. You know, we, you know, we talked last time I, I was here about the whole new paradigm shift uh, of all these launches and the cheap access to space that all, and all the services that that makes possible. But you can't do communication services if you haven't got the spectrum. And so that's the fight that's going on right now. On the surface, it seems the parties want to work things out. So what conditions might an agree agreement include? So traditionally, what the FCC always does in these cases is it wants to try and, and allocate the spectrum so that multiple people can use it. And in theory, you know, terrestrial goes this way, you know, space goes this way. You would think that there was a way you know that they could coexist the problem now is that when you've got these these non-geostationary orbits so you've got these satellites that are going over you know at low altitudes and as they pass over you know they they uplink and downlink all their data well the problem is you know they go from horizon to horizon so the antennas that are getting that have to be able to see from horizon to horizon it's not that they're just looking straight up and down and so now as you're getting closer to the horizon, now this terrestrial use, as you can see, they're now really conflicting with each other. So in theory, the, the FCC could establish rules that might allow this to happen. But one of two things are either going to happen. They're either going to have to really cut back the power of the terrestrial guys can, brought, can transmit at. Um, and for 5G, you know, that's, that's a death knell because 5G, especially up at the higher frequencies, you want as much power as you can get, right? Or the flip side is you say to the satellite guys, okay, you know, you can continue to operate in the spectrum, but you're only going to be able to op operate in really rural areas um, and, and where you're not going to conflict with all the terrestrial uses that, that people want, want to do. And, and so, you know, you know, you can make that argument, but the problem there is if you tell Starlink or you tell OneWeb, your only business is going to be for that last 1% that will never get terrestrial 5G. Well, 
you can't build a business out of 1% of the market. I mean, you know, the satellite guys have to have access to the entire market. So this is one where there may not be a solution that, that that's workable. Well then, Jim, what are the next steps that, that need to be taken towards a resolution? Well, I, unfortunately, the next steps are going to be, I think, a lot of politics. Um, you know, the 5G guys are going to run to Congress and they're going to say, but we're 5G, see our white, white hats. And then the satellite guys are going to equally run to con you know, Congress and say, yeah, Congress, but, but we're the ones that can deliver to that last 1% in, the, in rural America. And so it's going to be a real, it's going to be a Donnybrook. It's going to be a real fight. And I think, you know, even though it's a small swath of spectrum, I think it's going to be, going to be a, a real fight and it's going to be fun to watch, I think. But, you know, in my mind, you know, the one thing that we really should never do, and I realize 5G is, is vitally important for us, um, you know, as a country and as a technology leader, but we can never eat our seed corn. You know, we, we can't just keep taking spectrum away from the space guys because, you know, for those of us who are always looking up at night, we want to have those resources out in space that we can use them. And we're going to need more, not less spectrum. And so that's why Tech Freedom, we filed comments that told the commission, commission, you, you really just have to dismiss this petition. They're incompatible uses. And the 5G guys are going to have to find spectrum elsewhere. And by the way, there's, they're, they're gobbling up all the spectrum that they can get their hands on. And that's a good thing. But this is the one spectrum that we argue you know, should, be, should be held off because of, of those special space uses. We will definitely follow this. James Dunstan, General Counsel at Tech Freedom and founder of Mobius Legal Group. If someone wants to find more about this issue or connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, the best way would be to email me at jdunstan, J-D-U-N-S-T-A-N, at techfreedom, T-E-C-H-F-R-E-E-D-O-M, dot org. That's dot O-R-G, not dot com. Sounds good. Thanks again, James. Thank you. And find more of my interviews right here or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.